I'm Emma June, and welcome to Fringes, a no-frills kind of podcast where I talk to trans and gender non-conforming Jews about our experiences with Talitot and Tzitzit. Talitot are Jewish prayer shawls, and Tzitzit are the knotted fringe on the bottom of them. For deeper definitions, check out the first episode. A small warning, this episode joyously uses a slur for gay men. And this episode features my longtime friend, Liel Green, who will introduce themselves. Yeah, um, so my name is Liel, I use they them pronouns, I'm currently based in Northampton, Massachusetts, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm currently working on a project that I'm feeling really excited about, um, that's on queer and Jewish futurity, so, so building queer Jewish futures and what are mechanisms and, and queerness and in, in Jewishness, um, that help us imagine futures and that, you know, kind of say that queers and Jews and the intersection between the two um, were people of and for the future. Um, yeah, and I think I think a lot of, of that is, is going to be connected to um, what I'm going to say today on this podcast. Um, yeah. And anything else about myself? Um, I really like wearing the glitter on Shabbos. Yeah, and those things feel all very connected. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Can I ask quickly, is your, uh, is your project an academic project? or? Yes, yes. It's, it's, well, it's an academic project um, that I'm really excited about making less academic um, and about kind of kind of opening it up to be more than just that. So so stay tuned for that. Great. We will with great excitement. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, as with most people, I think an approach that I really like to take is to just kind of begin at the beginning and remember back to what your first memories are of Talitot and Tzitzit, like where you saw them, how you felt about them, what you learned about them. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think definitely the first person that I, I have in memory, um, that I have around, um, specifically um, spring Atali is my mom. Um, she's a cantor and and so just at services or, you know, at any other um, virtual event, I think she was the person wearing um, the tally. Um And so, yeah, definitely kind of have, have very, like, warm and fuzzy memories of kind of, um, you know, running around and then hiding me and my twin kind of, like, hiding underneath um, her tally. Um, while she's kind of like on the bima, which, which is probably a little unkosher. 
um, it was maybe a little embarrassing for her, but, um, that, and, and I think, yeah, my dad, my dad sometimes wore one too, so we would be kind of, like, more in the pews, um, and, and kind of just, like, playing around with it, and, you know, we'd, like, try it on and stuff, um, but yeah, definitely my mom. Whoa. Can I ask, like, what, what setting your mom was a canter in? Like, did a lot of people and a lot of women wear tali tote, or was she kind of alone on the bima? Yeah, I, I'd say that um, she, she was. I, I think she was probably pretty alone in that um, at the at the congregation where she worked when I was when I was growing up. Um, it was a reform congregation, um, so I, I don't think. I don't think that many people, except maybe something who, like, grew up more traditionally or just, like, knew that that was a thing that they were supposed to do in, like, a compulsory sense, um, were, were, were doing that, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I had a pretty, like, mishmash, um, religious growing up experience, so my mom's a reform cantor, and so I kind of when I was younger, like when I was in middle school and high school already, I kind of stopped going to um, that specific, to like the shuls that she worked at, um, like more frequently. But um, so grew up in, you know, Reform Congregation, and then I went to a conservative Jewish day school. And then in high school, I was part, briefly part of an Orthodox youth group, um, and then joined the Jews for Racial Economic Justice Youth Brigade and then was kind of introduced to um, the circles and community that I'm more comfortable and a part of now. Um, so definitely different, you see different people wearing um, tzitzis and, and, you know, like, a tarif, um, in, in in each, you know, different sphere, um, but definitely you know, seeing my mom on state on the bima, um, yeah, I think I think it was more symbolic, or I think for her it's like part of her practice. Um, but it wasn't necessarily, um, you know, like a norm for all the women to be wearing it. Yeah. Do you, do you wear a talis or do you wear tzitzit? Um. Yeah, I do, and um, I think. I think it definitely varies for me um, how often or when, and it really depends on where I'm at, um, you know, which which physical location I am in. Um, yeah, I think I think there's days where it, it has definitely fluctuated. Um, I think usually when I when I dive in, um, I always wear a um and yeah, in my brain, I'm also kind of going back and forth between, like, Talib and Talis. Um, and I'm having, <laughs> I feel like I'm, like, pausing before I'm saying those words. Um, <laughs> my, my mom's, my mom's Israeli, so I think I grew up with, like, the Hebrew, and then kind of when I got involved in, in more from circles a bit, and which in, in some ways is actually, like, the way that I feel most comfortable happening, kind of switched to Talis, and then yeah, so I think that's just going back and forth in my head a bit. But it's all true and all different and all the same. Um, yeah, yeah, so I, so, I, so I think whenever I dive in, I do wear a talus. Um, 
and, and in terms of sexist, I, yeah, I, I think it kind of depends on how brave I'm feeling or, or where I am or, I don't know. I, yeah, I think it depends on a lot, but I, there have been points where I've worn them every day and there have been points, um, where I don't want, where I kind of like employ them as something, something special for myself. Um, or if I know I'm going to be around other people wearing it, um, and if it's kind of, kind of safer, also kind of more like, um, I don't know, more, more, more of a communal thing. It, feel, it feels good to wear things with other people. I kind of love having matching outfits in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you talk some about what makes them feel special for you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think when I wore my my first pair of scissors, it was before I started wearing a binder, before I really, like, started thinking more significantly about transness. Um, yeah, and, and for me, it was, like, wearing, like, scissors was, was, like, my first binder. In it. And I feel like that's kind of, like, a, a common common thread that I've, I've heard about or, like, have read um, amongst amongst queer Jews, um, specifically trans Jews. Um, but I, I think it, it works for a lot of different people in different ways um, and is a fun way to play the gender. Um, yeah, I think that, yeah, I put it, I put it on and it really... I think it's, it's significant that it goes over the chest, um, and and it, it it definitely brought up a lot. Or definitely, I looked at myself in the mirror and like was like, "Whoa, this is this is like how I want to look." Or like, I, I felt really, I feel like I, I felt really cool. Or I was just like, "Yes, like this this feels really good." Um, in the same way that I feel like when I was. When I was in kindergarten, I had this, like, black sweater from the boys' section with, like, a, a, like, a white star on it, and I remember just, like, wearing that, and I had this, like, cheap pair of sunglasses, and I'd, like, put on those specific items of clothing and just, like, feel really cool, um, and I, I feel like it kind of brought up the same, like, um, I don't know, I, I feel like it was a moment of, of emergence, or I feel like there's, I, I like to think about different items of clothing or just, like, different experiences as, like, portals. Um, and I think that... I think that wearing scissors or wearing, like, a talus is, is definitely, like, a portal moment. Um, moments of, like, emergence and transformation. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure. I think the initial time I wore, like, wearing scissors for the first time, I don't... I don't really know if I was super aware of what that portal was or what emergence was happening. Um, but it, it definitely felt significant. And then, um, yeah, and then I, and then I got a binder for the first time. Um, and then wore my binder with the scissors. Um, that was kind of like the, the immediate step. That, you know, if you try and you find it for the first time, you're like, oh my god, like, it was, it was wild, yeah, and then, um, <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, put the scissors on top of it, and I was like, 
it, it felt extra affirming or um yeah, I, I still think it feels extra affirming wearing wearing both because I think it's um it's ritual. Yeah, and and what ritual does is I think I think ritual transforms or like um ritual kind of performs you know, the world that you want, the experience that you want, you're like actively creating for me, like you're actively creating like you're like Olam Haba, you're like world to come or just like the future world that you desire, um, through ritual. And I think that's like for me like thinking about portals, thinking about transformation, thinking about all that are are very connected. Right. And they come together on this mm-hmm. on this one object. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's really amazing and inspiring to me the way that uh, you let clothes matter instead of um, pushing them aside as kind of like a frivolous mm. thing. And I think that kind of uh, a, a talus or a talit katan as an object is like one way of Judaism affirming the value of clothing mm-hmm. and of um, layers yeah, <laughs> and layers. accessories um, yeah. in certain ways. Um, and I'm, I'm curious if um, you could talk about how maybe those things relate to being trans, if that yeah. question makes sense. Totally. And actually, I just got up to grab a book. Um, it's called Faggots and the Fence Between Revolutions. Um, and I'm just looking for looking for a quote from it that I feel like I would really like to read. That's okay. For sure. This one, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, so it's this book that's called, um, The Faggots and Their Friends Between Revolutions, and it's, like, this kind of fantasy story with really gorgeous illustrations that's about how the faggots and their community, so, like, the faggots and the fairies and the women who love women, um, and the queens, all basically, um, you know, are, like, like, you know, lead a revolution against the men who kind of represent every, everyone in power, everything in power, um, everything that is an oppressor. Um, and so it's kind of about this coalition of the oppressed, um, revolting against the oppressors, but they're doing this in, in a, in a really beautiful way that's about, you know, building, um, chosen family and strong community and feeling a lot of pleasure and, like, having a lot of sex and just like um, really tapping into all that is pleasure and all that is love and what come, kind of come out of that um, when you do let yourself um, feel desire and be vulnerable with other people. Um, and so the, the most, and that was written um, by Larry Mitchell. Um, 
in the 1970s, I believe. Um, yeah, 1977. And then there's a recent edition that was released um, in July of 2019, so super recently, um, that has a preface by um, Tourmaline. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's a quote from Tourmaline's introduction um, that's responding to... So the initial quote that Tourmaline is responding to is the quote um, that says, The queens display infinite weirdness to the world. For them, style is the path into the unique self, and so too, transcendence. They long for everyone to reveal themselves wherever they are. Um, And then Tourmaline writes, It took me a long time to come back to the power and magic of image, art, fashion, aesthetics, and not least of all, glamour. The faggots helped me find my way back. The faggots reminded me that superficiality, style, messiness, and play are not bad things. They are transformative ways of being. Our glamour is not superfluous to changing the current order. It is instrumental. Um, so, those are not exactly my words to answer your question, but um, they're definitely how I feel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are there ways that you've you feel like you found <coughs> to um, to feel glamorous through Titi? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I think it definitely. Yeah, and, and it's it's just kind of like really really deep glamour. I, th- I think about the the idea of Sidormi Spa, which is um, it's making making a mitzvah even, like, holier, even more beautiful for aesthetics, um, I think is the more, most basic explanation, um, or how I, I've come to understand it, and I think ways that that, that, like, that that idea can manifest can also be super classist, or it can kind of, you know how, like, Judaica is super expensive, um, or, you know, you're always looking for the nicest thing, or, like, the nicest etrogue, um, and a lot of that, you know, that leads to just, like, those who have more money can afford, like, the nicer things, which means that they're, like, performing the mitzvah in, like, a holier way. And I, and I think that there's been really awesome, you know, queer queer interpretations of Gourmet's thought to kind of just be, like, um, to kind of, like, move it away from that idea and kind of say, like, what are we, what is, how are we superfluous and how is that divine? Um, how are we, how are we extra, how are we glamorous, and how is that holy? Um, and so I think that, yeah, def- definitely feel, feel a bit glamorous wearing, you know, the tallest exorcist. Um, and I think that, that glamour, like, that glamour is, is euphoria. You know, I don't think it has to look a specific way. I think it's like, um, it's euphoria, you know, people talk about gender euphoria, and I think it's gender euphoria, and I think it's, it's just an added layer of also, like, I'm euphoric, and I'm divine, or I'm connecting to the divine, or I'm figuring out how to connect to Hashem um, through, through me performing gender, or just, like, wearing the things that I want to be wearing. Um... Yeah, and and I think um, 
I don't know. It's interesting. I, I you we were talking a bit before, and you were talking about how, you know, you got a talus when like when you were bat mitzvah, um, and and how I think you were saying that you 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 didn't really like it. Is that what you're saying? I want to get the your words in that. Yeah, I I just feel pretty like unenthusiastic about it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I I I I definitely resonate with that. I think, um, you know, I got I got to choose a, a talis, and I think at the time, it was one like I didn't really have, you know, I couldn't just choose from any of them. I think I had a specific pool that I could choose from, um, and I'm, I'm very grateful to have received one. Um, and it, it's definitely a gorgeous talis, and and I don't think I would ever in my life wear it right now. <laughs> it's um, it's kind of blue, and it, it's one of the smaller ones, and it has like, <laughs> it has these like plastic, colorful circle like tassels. Oh wow! On the bottom, yeah, it's. I think it's pretty glamorous for sure. Um, not my style, but but I think I re- I did like it in sixth grade. Um, but then I went so I went to um I went to a, a Jewish school. In, um, for middle school and elementary school and um, we also kind of got to choose our own um, like palaces um, and yeah and it was, it was it was cool because so like I had the one that I got you know for my family um, and then I was able to kind of choose another one and granted you know they weren't like as as nice um, and a lot of people kind of got they got like the white ones, and then just tie-dyed them. Um, so that was also, like, the, the sixth grade move, for sure, to tie-dye them. Um, but I but I picked that one that I actually... that's It's the one that I wear, and the one that I actually um, really like. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of bigger and, and more masculine, and I think at the time... I don't know, it's, it's really cool when your, like, past self is, is very in tune with your future self. Um, I think that's, that's something I, I feel very grateful for those moments. Um, I feel like moments of, of alignment. Um, and, and that was, so the one that I, I wear now that I actually feel really comfortable wearing. Um, and I, and I think a lot of that is also what am I trying to emulate and who am I trying to emulate and what feels authentic and what doesn't, um, and what aligns with my gender and the way that I, you know, even want to like stand or move when I, when I dive in as opposed to the ways that I don't feel comfortable doing that. Um, and in some ways, like, wearing, wearing a talus makes all that feel a bit safer um, to try things within, you know, within that, the space of the talus. You know, you're, you're able to kind of, there's a certain, I feel in some ways, a certain suspension um, of whatever I need to be suspended. So, like, suspension of things where, like, things that I don't want kind of kind of are not in that sphere and also like my body feels a bit suspended in air um or just in space and doesn't feel like as heavy or as aware um and is able to kind of and and some of that is like my body is literally hiding um and I think that feels good and also so so I think like like wearing a palace can kind of like it kind of can add or enhance 
my body and I think in some ways it could also so in terms of glamour or like excessiveness or like an accessory um and also I think it it has the potential to also kind of detract or take away um in in a way that feels really good sometimes in a way that's like kind of healing you know like you don't always want to be aware of your body and yeah I, I think that um I was sitting next to, to one of my friends who's, who's trans and we were just talking and then, and then they said something about how, how like mindful, how, how mindfulness is really hard for them. Like mindfulness sucks. And I, I don't think I really like, I really connected that. And then I was like, oh yeah. And I'm like, I wonder like why that is. And then they were like, oh yeah, it's cause I'm trans. Um, and, and I think like I, yeah, I don't, I don't quite, I don't have quite the same relationship to mindfulness, but I think that sometimes, you know, like, deep embodied things can be really hard, or kind of bring up a lot of things, and I think that, like, a tallest, um, like, you know, as, as stopping is, you know, a deep, at least for me, is a very deep embodied action, um, I like shuckling a lot, um, it feels like I'm kind of, like, moving towards something that I want to go towards. Um, when I do it, and I think that wearing a talus kind of uh, makes me feel safer to do that. Wow. Is there something, uh, do you have like a, I mean, maybe the one you have is already, but like a, a dream talus? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think my talus is my dream talus. So I'm very, very open. <laughs> I feel like it's like a game show. Like, what's your dream house? Like, what's your dream palace? Um, I love that. Um, my dream house. Um, I think like a lot of, honestly, I will say the Osmo palaces are really nice. Um, so I think maybe it would be in, maybe, maybe my dream palace is even in stock. Um, but, um, I don't know. I think a lot of a lot of color, a lot of warm colors for sure. Um, I like the kind of wovenness, um, and I, I like the bigness of it too. Um, I, I like I like when I can fit underneath it. I don't know. Sometimes I feel I feel too big. So it's nice to feel something bigger than me on me. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. That's a really good question. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm just, I feel really excited to, um, to do the work of imagining, like, what would feel, like, what feels like the way we can have the most access to, to ritual objects that kind of, I don't know, I, like, I'm hearing you say, like, I, I picked out one that was really not good for me now, and one that is pretty good for me now but you know like I don't know it feels like unless um I know some people I guess mostly people who are rabbinical students or who are just coming into their Judaism now or something maybe are buying Talitot at this point in their lives but I know that a young me was not mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> thinking of deeply about my future self 
in a way that um, now I'm I'm kind of I know I think about it like well I already have one I shouldn't have another except that I don't love mine mm-hmm. and I'm curious I guess all I'm saying is I I like the imagining yeah um, and that that's how we get to create what doesn't yet exist absolutely yeah I think um yeah a lot of a lot of the work that I'm doing right now is is visioning queer Jewish futures so so it feels very very appropriate um <laughs> yeah and and I think like a big a big thing for me is like I don't know I think back of myself I, I think back to myself as like a a queer child and a Jewish child um and I think those things were very, very linked. Like, um, I don't know. I've, I've always wanted to be older. Is a is a thing that I've I felt and I still definitely feel. Um, and and part of that is just having been in community with older people and kind of always feeling like the youngest there, um, or always always wanting to be feel more integrated. And and a lot of that is probably just like a lot of internalized adultism. And I'm very very aware of that and very excited to you know do the work to kind of like unlearn that um but I but I think that like my I always wanted to be older and I think that's also uh a way that a lot of queer children have felt um because I think it's like the future is a place where we feel liberated where we can do the things that we want to do and be the ways that we want to be and wear the things that we want to wear and um you know, all that, all that good stuff, um, and, and for me, like, my, me imagining myself older felt very, very Jewish, or, um, I had this, like, yeah, I, I really, like, un- until, until, like, I don't know, maybe, like, middle school, or even, like, mid-high school, I feel like when I would think about myself in the future, I'd think about myself with a girlfriend holding her hand at school on a Friday night, um and that was like (laughs) yeah and that was like for me like the hottest most romantic date was like a shabbos date to shul was like what what truly made me swoon um and that was like from from as young as i could remember that's like what i wanted um or you know like to to wear a talus or to you know it just was like that was kind of how i saw myself in the future and i think that and I, and I still I still kind of feel that way, and, and why why I do the work that that I do, or I'm interested in doing the work that I'm that I do is um, the desire to kind of stop feeling so far away from my future self. Um, I think I hold myself against the standard of, of what I want to be in the future, who I want to be, how I want to look, um, knowing that how I will look will change significantly or like I would like it just change significantly um and you know who I want to be in a relationship with how do I want to be in a relationship with people um and and feeling a lot of a lot of frustration and a lot of hurt around how how I'm 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 not quite where I want to be yet um I'm not quite at the future that I want and and so the, the work that I feel myself doing um, personally and academically is the work of, of collapsing time. Um, and I think that, that Judaism and queerness have 
um, really powerful technologies for doing that. Um, and it's the work of collapsing time so that, one, like, you know, on a basic level so that I could feel that, like, the future that I desire, the future self that I want, the future world that I want, is, it already exists in this present. You know, there's, like, fragments of, of for me, it's Olam Haba, like, the world to come that are in the present and kind of um, letting myself soften into that and kind of feel that, like, what does it, what does it feel like to have this, the future that I want already here um, to rest? I, I think, I think, like, Shabbos really offers you know, that presentness in Olam Haba in a very literal way. Um, and I think that ritual objects can... I, I, was, I was talking about portals and, you know, emergences and transcendence before, but I think that ritual object, objects are definitely portals to Olam Haba, um, to, this, to this future world. And so, so I think that, like, my thinking, imagining the future... Um, yeah, and as a child imagining the future, it was, it was like my queerness and, and Jewishness would be able to be liberated and, and kind of like in, in full fruition. Um, and I think that clothing and, and different, different objects and I also, I also like just collect a lot of, of little, little things. I feel like I have a lot of little knickknacks and like little, you know, like I just keep a lot of, like, twigs and pipe cleaners and rhinestone gems and just, like, random, random things I kind of find on the street and, like, shove in my pockets. And it feels like a very, like, childish thing that I, that I still do, just, like, collecting things. But I, I feel like those are, like, I think objects can really help transport you or they feel like kind of, you know, treasures from the past and from the future, which is, for me are kind of sometimes the same thing. They're very intimately connected. Um, so I think that wearing wearing scissors and, and wearing like a palace can, can feel like that, can feel, um, yeah, it's, it's like me from the future, but in the present, so it's just me, so it's like collapsing that time. Oh. Does that make sense? It does, I just feel okay. touched, <laughs> so I'm being quiet, which is, yes, yes. you know, a great response as an yeah, interviewer. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, that's just very, I feel very moved by the idea mm. that, um, putting on this object can bring you in touch with your past and future selves or collapse you into oneself. Yeah. And, and I, I think about it and also very like, in, in the literal sense of like fabric, kind of the fluidity of fabric. Um, yeah, I think there's there's something there too, and something about about weaving as well, or like webs, and there's just there's something something that's being connected or that's in alignment. I feel I don't know. That's those are kind of just like different fragments. I feel like there's something there too. Yeah, I mean, even just, like, the fabric of time, if you're talking about time. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know it's an English phrase, but... The fabric of time. Atalus is the fabric of time. Oh, yeah, the, the old American idiom. <laughs> um, <laughs> deeply rooted. Um, anyway, 
yeah, that's really special perspective or like a really uh, words are hard. Um, It's pretty early. Um, Yeah. Well, I guess I'm just wondering if there are any lingering thoughts you have or questions I didn't ask you that you want to answer. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I think just like aesthetics can be something that it, that are so so difficult. Um, I think that there's definitely a lot of pressure to not a lot of so th- there's like two levels of pressure where I feel like there's pressure from like you know like larger mainstream like hegemonic society to kind of like care a lot about how you look. Now that really matters and there's all that stuff and it feels really toxic sometimes and it's really hard and it's hard to like situate yourself into that when you don't look the way that you're quote unquote supposed to look and then I feel like there's kind of counter pressure to not care about how you look um and to not really value aesthetics or to kind of like and it's just kind of like natural beauty that's really um emphasized um and then, and I, I think when you're, when I, I'm in a place right now where I can't necessarily wake up and walk out the door and feel 100% of how I look, I, I kind of feel like I have to put a lot of effort, not a ton of effort, but just like I need to do some things to kind of be able to walk out the door and feel represented and feel feel in alignment, feel like I look the way that I want to look to myself and to others. Um, and and I think I've definitely kind of felt shame around that. Um, that I, you know, I don't, that I, I don't necessarily have the kind of like, yeah, I could just like backpack around and like, you know, like not shower and feel great and look hot and like, you know, like, wear whatever I want to wear and not care, and I'm so beautiful, and, like, you know, like, I, I've, I haven't really felt that, so I, 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 this is kind of, like, a rambly thing, so maybe don't put all of this in, um, <laughs> but I, I just think that, that aesthetics for trans people is really, really crucial, and I think that's, like, um, yeah, as, as someone who identifies as trans mask and specifically more butch, I, I, it's something that I really learn and love so much from femmes in my life. Um, something that I really owe to the femmes in my life is kind of um, teaching me of, about glamour, you know, the glamour that I was talking about before, teaching me about um, how much pleasure I can get from putting glitter on my face, from like even wearing a t-shirt that feels really good. Um, yeah, I, I think that's something that I, I feel so, so in debt to, and so it feels like, it feels like so much of the love I've received from the some identifying people in my life is, is these valuable pearls of wisdom around, around how, how to be too much, um, and that I'm allowed to be too much, and that too much is actually like what what, what makes me feel enough. Um, 
And a lot of that, I, I think, is connected to aesthetics and is connected to accessorizing. Um, and, and sometimes I feel like wearing this makes me feel too much, um, whether that's, like, too Jewish. I, I think a lot of times it's, yeah, I think a lot of times it's definitely too Jewish, especially in kind of more... Um, I'm definitely around a lot of queer Jews, but it's it's not... I'm not... And I think it's a tension that I've definitely felt where the the communities that I feel more like personally and and politically comfortable in are not the communities where I'm necessarily able to daven in the ways that I want to daven. Um, and so I definitely feel like sometimes I have to like tone down um, the way I daven or tone down like certain aspects of my firmness. Um, and a lot of that is like, you know, no one is telling me to do that, but it's definitely self-imposed pressure. Um, and I, I will blame Christian hegemony for some of that as well. Um, <laughs> I will always blame Christian hegemony for a lot of it. Um, and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that I can't, I will have lost my train of thought. I'm just preoccupied with Christian hegemony now. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm just um, trying to figure out how to be unapologetically Jewish and unapologetically queer, and and what does that look like together? And then in some ways, like I don't, I don't quite know what that looks like because we don't necessarily have that. I think that's what um, you know, performance study scholar Jose Esteban Munoz talks about, and in, in, in his work about um, about the queer future, about queer futurity is that we don't necessarily know yet what queerness looks like. Um, it's not quite here, but it's present in, in these fragments of, of futurity of the future, um, which I was, I was talking about before. I'm definitely inspired by his work. Um, and, and so I think that, um, you know, unapologetic queerness and unapologetic Jewishness, um, they're not quite here yet, but I think we, we see them, we feel them um, in present moments. And I think those are the moments where you're kind of transported into the future or the future has collapsed into the present and into the past. And I think um, that's the power of virtual objects, um, is, feeling, is feeling those fragments in the future. Um, and so, I don't know, maybe in the future, everyone's going to wear tzitzis and like, like a talus. Um, I have no idea, but I but I think seeing seeing ritual objects as as you know you think about the word artifact, you think about something super ancient, and I, and I mean they are extremely ancient. I think that's part of their of their spiritual potency is the ancientness of it. Um, and also, I think there's artifacts in the future as well. Uh, wow. Well, thank you for sharing so deeply and personally and thoughtfully with me today, Leo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been a real pleasure and I can't wait to do it again sometime. Yes, I'm so excited for the future. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it's imminent. It's imminent, it's emerging. Alright. Thanks for listening to Fringes. 
My Passion Project, supported by Adva Designs. For more definitions, as well as a transcription of the episode, please check out the show notes on our website, advadesigns.com slash fringes episode eight. That's A-D-V-A-H-D-E-S-I-G-N-S dot C-O-M slash F-R-I-N-G-S-E-P-I-S-O-D-E eight. As always, the stories I get to share through this podcast cannot possibly capture the breadth of experiences in the world. I'm inevitably leaving people out. That said, this project is growing. If your story feels left out and you want to share it, please reach out to me at emma at oddvadesigns.com. That's E-M-M-A at A-D-V-A-H-D-E-S-I-G-N-S dot C-O-M. This podcast is coming out on a bi-weekly basis. Thanks to my producer, Sarah Resnick, and to Home Despot, talented musician behind our intro. And thank you for listening. See you in two weeks wherever podcasts can be found.